Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. It's the first Sunday in Advent, but I'm still thinking about the election. You know, there are a lot of things I can't say from the pulpit. But I can say this, and you'll see where I'm going as Advent begins. How about those people waiting in line to vote? Nine hours, some of them. How about that? I was at once outraged and profoundly moved. When it happened four years ago, yes, there have been four years in which this could have been redressed. Journalist Robert V. Thompson, who had to vote early in Evanston, Illinois, arrived at the Civic Center, spent 15 minutes looking for a parking space, and took his place in a line that wasn't moving. He writes, I found myself in a conversation with the woman behind me. She was an ER nurse at the University Hospital, and this was her only chance to vote. She was working a 12-hour shift on Election Day. She told me that her father was black and her mother white. Her eyes moistened. I have to stay here to vote no matter how long it takes. The couple in front of me, he continues, was accompanied by their 15-year-old daughter. They said it was such a privilege to stand there and wait to vote for Obama that they'd wait all night if they had to. Caught up in this experience, two hours passed. We were close to the room with the voting machines. My friend Carl emerged wearing the little sticker, I voted. We embraced as he proudly announced to me that his vote had effectively canceled mine. (laughs) Carl, I said, your wife is a Democrat. She canceled your vote. My vote is gonna put Obama ahead. And playfully, we jabbed each other and laughed out loud. This lighthearted exchange was a reminder that our friendship runs deeper than our differences. These conversations gave me pause as I looked at the faces lined up and down the long corridor. They were black and white, Hispanic, Asian, old, young. We stood in the queue to speak, each in our own voice but also to stand together as a community of human beings, what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called the beloved community. I will never meet again most of those with whom I shared that weight, but there we were, different experiences and different lives, yet living one life together, standing in the light of the beloved community. I will now stop ranting about the wait and focus on the invitation Advent extends to us to experience waiting 
in a whole new light. Do you know beat poet Lawrence Ferlinghetti's I Am Waiting? It's very long, but here's just a minute of it to give you the idea. I am waiting for a rebirth of wonder, and I am waiting for someone to really discover America. And I am waiting for the age of anxiety to drop dead. I am waiting for a religious revival to sweep the state of Arizona. And I am waiting for the grapes of wrath to be stored. And I am perpetually awaiting a rebirth of wonder. I am waiting for the meek to be blessed and inherit the earth, and I am waiting for forests and animals to reclaim the earth as theirs, and I am waiting for a way to be devised to destroy all nationalisms without killing anybody. I am waiting for the great divide to be crossed, and I am waiting for the storms of life to be over, and I am waiting to set sail for happiness, and I am perpetually waiting for the fleeing lovers on the Grecian urn to catch each other at last and embrace and I am awaiting perpetually and forever a renaissance of wonder. It occurs to me that waiting for things that may and may not come is an act of faith. Let's save that for another sermon. But waiting for things that will surely come this month to finish the year, it's Hanukkah, the solstice, Christmas, and Kwanzaa, that kind of waiting asks of us not faith, but a kind of spiritual discipline to engage in the journey of our destination and give it its own purpose and meaning. I was reminded of how badly we tend to wait, we humans, by stories that emerge from Black Friday holiday shopping. In San Antonio, Texas, a gun was pulled to deter a belligerent line cutter at a Sears store. A Sears store? <laughs> yes, it's that bad. Americans spend 37 billion hours a year waiting in line. Disney the master of applied queuing psychology, has divined that we will cheer up if we wait less than we thought we had to. When you've been told that it would be an hour till you can get into Space Mountain, and you're climbing on the ride after a mere 45 minutes, you feel lucky. Disney also hides its lines by wrapping them around buildings, for example, because it turns out we prefer a slow-moving short line to a fast-moving long one. And impulse buys in supermarket lines, gums, tabloids, they generate $5.5 billion a year. It's all relief from waiting. Some years ago at a Houston airport, Passengers were lodging an inordinate number of complaints about the long waits at baggage claim. More baggage handlers were hired, and the average wait fell to eight minutes. But the complaints persisted. An online analysis revealed that it took passengers one minute to walk from their arrival gates to baggage claim, and seven more minutes to get their bags. So. The arrival gates were then moved from the main terminal, and the baggage was routed to the outermost carousel. Passengers now had to walk six minutes to get their bags, which arrived in two minutes. Complaints dropped to near zero. 
MIT's Richard Larson, widely considered to be the world's foremost expert on lines. Who could make this up? <laughs> Tells us that occupied time feels shorter than unoccupied time. It turns out this is why mirrors are installed with elevators. We can check out how we look and sneak a peek at the other passengers and stop complaining about how long we wait for the lift. So I hear all this and I think, waiting is what smartphones are made for. Or how about books? Remember books? Or, this is radical, how about conversation? Or, I know this is going too far, but stay with me. How about just being quiet and breathing and catching up to ourselves? How about that? Yeah. yeah. Yesterday, December 1st, was World AIDS Day. And in the early days of the plague, people got sick and died, just like that. There were bedside vigils, but they were characterized more by dread than by waiting for the outcome. My teacher and friend, Benedictine Brother David Stendel Rost, said something that helped me so much. It's a kind of prayer, really. I want to give it to you. He said, may we trust that time is not running out, but coming to fulfillment. May we wait patiently while time ripens. May we trust that time is not running out, but coming to fulfillment. May we wait patiently while time ripens. My Provincetown parishioner, Jim, contracted pneumocystis pneumonia. This was before the discovery of aerosolized pentamidine, so Jim was dying. And I could see him begin to grow restless, his eyes widening above the oxygen mask. He just wasn't getting enough air. His panic rose to the point where he tore away the mask, just gasping and frantic, flailing, fighting for his life. And then he reached for the mask again, and somehow he got it back on, and he lay back, utterly drained. It could only get worse, much worse. And again and again, this restlessness and the panic, the gasping, the flailing, I felt frightened, although there really wasn't anything more to fear. I thought, can I do this? And the answer came as another question. Do what? There was nothing to do. He wanted to be close, but he couldn't stand to be held. It seemed that he needed every available pore to breathe. So I rested my upturned hand on the sheet next to his so that the fingertip of my pinky barely grazed his. And in this way, we began to breathe together. The intimacy of it was extraordinary. It was transforming. When my tears came, I had to let them come because to fight them would have meant I had to hold my breath and I needed to breathe with Jim. He too 
wept. He wept at the profound sadness of leaving everything he loved. And we looked at each other, just gazing deeply. And then there was no more panic, no more gasping, no more fighting. It was just peace. Peace and quiet, faces shining, and one breath at a time. At last, he slept, and his breathing became labored, but he never panicked again. And then his breath slowed and slowed, and just before dawn, it stopped. And sometimes now, when I breathe, I remember what he taught me that night about waiting. Waiting not as torture, but as a fullness all its own, the fullness of time, as Brother David said, time, not running out, but coming to fulfillment. Beloved spiritual companions, voting, shopping, Disney, airports, dying, and living on. We are always all in line, whether long or short, always going somewhere. Let waiting be for us a spiritual discipline, an invitation to make meaning on the journey, the opportunity to give it meaning and purpose. Together, in this beloved community, let us wait and await a renaissance of wonder.